We are live this Wednesday morning. Uh, Leban Hosanna, Gareth Cliff, you, me, everybody's ready for a busy Wednesday morning. And also the middle of the month of uh, November. So we're heading downhill towards the end of the year. Thought it would be good to catch up with somebody who, um, I mean, this name should ring a lot of bells for people in South Africa. Dave Chislett. He's got DaveChislett.com. And he was born in Britain, raised in South Africa, and he currently lives in the Netherlands. He's a published author, poet, musician, and artist. He's also been an entrepreneur for 25 years. And the link that joins all the things in his life together is creativity which I think is also something that LeBang knows a lot about. He's been on stage in one capacity or another since 1980. Dave, it's nice to have you on the show. How are you? Good morning, Cliff. I'm well, thank you. I see you on too. Nice <laughs> to see you, man. Yeah. So uh, LeBang and I are fascinated by this term creativity activator. So what is yeah. that? And, and tell us whether you saw a gap in the market here and what exactly it, it means. Because, I mean, I don't want to sound stupid about it, but it, it, it does the does the... Does the description tell you everything you need to know? Yeah, Lebong Lebong had it uh, spot on. It's I believe that every human being is actually inherently creative. There's no such thing as someone who's not creative. But a lot of us have been kind of socialized and shamed out of it. It's not something we own and actively pursue. So I see my job as to helping people discover that and then bring it to the front and expand and learn how to use it. That's for me is the activation part of the uh, of the job title. All right, so there may be somebody sitting there listening to this right now going, no, I'm not really creative. Yeah. You say everyone, everyone is creative, but what if they are? They think that, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not creative at all. I'm just a, a standard bookkeeper. I crunch numbers. Yeah. I, the more creative I am, the more dangerous my job get, gets. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a Creative accounting, yeah. <laughs> How do you respond to people who don't think that they're creative? And then mm. we'll get on to ones who do think they are. Yeah. Well, look, I think what we need to, first of all, understand is that our sort of generally held societal notion of what creativity is, is based on high creative made by people who may not or may well be genii. And therefore, we're obsessed with this notion that it has to be radical, unique, extra special, only, you know, only someone with a massive skill set could execute it. Mm. But actually, the fundamental process of creativity is so mundane that even the boring accountant who thinks he can't be creative actually is, because neurologically, what happens in his brain every single time he solves a creating problem is the same as the genius songwriter, actor, uh, and, uh, and poet. But I, I mean, I could argue that they're not the same because we don't pay sufficient attention to the, the the accountant who's doing what he has to do to make the books balance yes uh, because because it's boring and not creative i mean i'm just trying to be the devil's advocate here because no, there are going enough. to there are going to be many of us who think that a lot of the things that we do even creative people uh well, lebang you know this too on a day-to-day -day basis a lot of the stuff that you do isn't very creative you're actually just replying to emails or joining the yeah. dots or you know doing the obvious stuff but that's the thing creativity is the is if, if you like the sausage machine, right? So an accountant puts in boring accounting knowledge, financial information processes and outcome solutions on the other side. Um, the artist puts in, you know, technical skills, um, th musical theoretical knowledge and outcomes music on the other side. Um, we, we are obsessed with what comes out the other side and we mythologize what people put in on the, on the front end. While quite conveniently, 
ignoring the fact that the actual process is mundane. It's literally joining the dots. It's finding a somewhat new configuration of information actually already exists and then having the correct skills level and type to bring that to the attention of others. And most of us don't have those skills, the, the, the bringing it to the attention of others. Mm. It doesn't mean to say that everything we do is fundamentally mundane and not boring. It's just that, as you said, Kareth, most of us don't give a damn. <laughs> you agree with that, Deban? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about like it's the how in which each individual uses their creativity to get that message across or for that output to be delivered. You'll deliver it in this in the same way, but in your same way. No two people will ever deliver it in the same way, regardless of how mundane the said process is. And I think that's where the creativity lies. And I mean, Dave, you can you can help me here. But in as much as we are all creatives, what really makes us all creatives is that we have our own unique ways of doing things and that's the thing so as to your point gareth oh it's just sending an email that's mundane sure but how am i going to respond to this email am i going to be like "Ah, i hope this email finds you well as discussed please find attached or am i going to give it a little bit of pizzazz and hey hope you had a good weekend you know thank you so much there's just there's a delivery in things that sets you apart from the next person and (laughs) When you receive an email and it's like an AI written thing, you're already like, oh, my days, yawn. But if it's a human that's added personality and a little bit of pizzazz, it's already got that better touch. And I think that's where the creativity lies. It's just how does everybody uncover their creativity? And that's the thing that I'd like to know, uh, Davis. How does every single person on earth just tap into that and believe that, damn, I actually am a creative person? All right, so that's that's what's sorry this way. That's what's on the wall behind me there. Rebel, reject, create. So I mean, it may sound like a particularly anarchic or nihilistic creed, but in a sense, in essence, what I'm saying is that the way our world works is very pattern and rule governed, right? So we want people to do what we tell them to do, so that we get more of what we've already got, because that's how the economy grows. That's how we get richer. That's how you stay poorer. Now, if you want to break out of any kind of cycle and get any kind of different result, you have to immediately start behaving differently. You Mm. change the inputs, you will change the outputs. Mm. So step number one is to rebel against the status quo, against the rules, against the way we've always done it, where that's right and this is wrong. The second step is then to do the same thing to yourself, to question your own assumptions, your own biases. Because like Tabang mentioned, you know, we all come from our own corner. Um, you know, someone growing up in Soweto has a totally different worldview and perspective of someone growing up in Santon. And, you know, English-speaking, Portuguese-speaking, Swana-speaking, whatever, you, uh, gender orientation, all of this mm. plays a fundamental role in how we encounter and process and act in the world. So if you start to question the assumptions which underpin the way you act, you step out of your comfort zone into a territory where it is then possible to create because then you have nothing Mm. and you are forced to rejoin the dots into a new configuration. So for anybody who's listening to this thinking, well, I'm here and I'm bored and I'm stuck in a rut and I don't know what to do. The first thing you should do is go and break some rules. And they don't have to be massive rules that are gonna end up with you in jail, but you just need to start doing things differently. Start questioning, well, why do we always do it that way? Why do I always do it that way? Mm. And then you'll step into this quite confusing, gray, muggy, horrible place, which most people avoid at all costs, where new connections become possible because you're no longer attached to the solutions you had. Okay, but 
I'm going to, again, have to be the devil's advocate here because you say break rules. Yes. And most people are exactly opposed to that idea. They, they, yes. they are so scared of breaking the rules. And, and really, this has always been the case throughout human history. There are always going to be a couple of leaders and many, many followers. And those followers are better at following the rules. They don't want to break the rules because there's chaos on the other side of that. And chaos can can be for most people who are who are orderly and like their life to be organized. Chaos is the most scary thing in the world. Only if that's all you've ever known and that that's what you've been raised to expect and that's how you project your identity into the future. Hmm. You know, there's this myth attached to being creative that it's one step away from madness. And I think that's a very convenient cliche. Hmm. Uh, and I'm glad you said this, Gareth, because... I firmly believe that in actual fact, none of that is true. You know, history is written by the victors and the victors, of course, want to maintain power. So they're going to tell people it's really essential that they obey the rules so that order is kept so that they can be happy. Mm. And yet, if you look around the world today, by and large, your average human being is not happy because they live under circumstances which are oppressive and which require them to obey bunches of rules which do not serve them. And I don't, frankly, just believe any of that stuff anymore. I would welcome a, a bit more chaos because I think people would then be forced into self-actualization as opposed to this weird androidic charade of rule following that we currently have. More chaos. <laughs> yes, <laughs> more chaos. All right. <laughs> it'll, it it'll lead to more creativity. I mean, I, I completely, I hear that. I, I also feel like... Um, you know, creativity as itself, it's almost like a, a muscle that we need to continuously exercise. So you can find yourself being very creative in your childhood, like doing art at school, dancing, blah, blah, yeah. coming up with raps, whatever the case is. And then you get into adulthood and then you fall into the line of monotone. Yes, but why? But exactly. why do you give up on it? Exactly. You know why? Because you get shamed out of it. Because someone somewhere on the line says, "Yeah, who do you think you are, Ricky Martin? You're never going to be supposed to learn. But you're just not hard enough to be doing that." And we are taught to get embarrassed about our output because it doesn't meet this mythical genius level standard. And it's got nothing to do with that. It's about self-expression. It's about being who you are. And it just gets bludgeoned out of us. I mean, that's what standardized testing at school does. Yeah. It tells you there is no gray. There is right and there is wrong. And you will spend the rest of your life shoving stuff into little boxes. I mean, let's, let's be realistic here too. You know, unfortunately, and I have my problems with the education system and with, you know, parenting, because God knows that's not a perfect science. Mm. But the fact is we can't have a system better than life for catering to individuals. And that includes the bumps and the knocks and the people telling you that you're not as great as you are and all of that stuff that goes against the grain of what you're saying here to bring creativity out. What we have been doing in the last little while, uh, and, it's, and it's a novel experiment for humanity, is many kids all over the world have been raised in this environment where creativity is encouraged, they're never told they're not good enough, et cetera. And, and it's actually resulted in less happiness, not more. A lot of these yes. kids are now directionless, confused. They're not yep. sure exactly what to do because their parents and their teachers have said to them, just be you, live your life, uh, self-actualize, try anything you want. Nothing's bad. Everything's good. And it hasn't necessarily helped a lot of these kids. Now, thank you again. I love it. You're pushing all my buttons. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because nothing is a siloed 
self-contained closed off system. So everything I'm saying is fantastic. But if you don't have discipline, yeah. if you don't have routine, if you don't have somebody every now and then who's saying to you, you know what, that can be better. No, that's not good enough. Do something different. Mm. In other words, a conflicting collaborator, mm. you will not be pushed. And if you're not pushed, quite frankly, yeah, you know, human beings and, and nature itself tends towards entropy. Um, it's all just going to slide downhill into a big blubbery pool of mud. Mm. So there's an uneasy tension here. You know, the creative process itself is part behind the scenes using your unconscious brain kind of to all intents and purposes of magic and part hardcore rationality, logic, joining A to B to C to follow to a new answer. That's also a weird dynamic, a weird dichotomy. So Cliff, I think you're absolutely right. Too much of either one is a bad thing. I think in general, in the history of the human race, we've tended way too much towards the rules. Let's control the hell out of everybody. Mm, and you. maybe we're going to a sort of reset moment where it's not going to go well for a while while we've got all these, uh, well, but also, you know, millennial bashing cliff, it's a thing just because they do it differently. Doesn't mean to say it's bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, the jury's still out on, on how successful they will be at making themselves useful to the rest of us, because there's a huge difference between <laughs> self-expression and, Self-expression and creativity. No, but I mean, uh, yes, again, like, I don't know why I'm being the bad guy in this call, but it's all good and well to talk about creativity and opportunity and people chasing their dreams and all that stuff. Somebody's got to be realistic about this. And if you don't make yourself useful yeah. to other people, if you aren't doing things for society at large, and if the, if the creative ideas that you're coming up with aren't, they don't have some utility, then really it's just... You know, it's like a Mona Lisa that was never painted. It's just an yeah. idea. And, and, and it's not useful to anybody. No. And, and the best idea in the world isn't useful to anybody if you don't have the skill set to execute, execute it to a high degree of usability. Ah, okay. But then I've got a question for both of you because you yeah. are both, you know, self kind of declared creatives. And in both your cases, there's enough evidence to show that you know what you're talking about. But <laughs> is the person who executes the stuff necessarily also the person who has to come up with the idea because those are different qualities and sometimes the person who comes with the ideas uh is is good at that and and then you need somebody else to take it and execute it mm. now you've been reading the literature cliff yeah there's an organization in the states that call themselves foresight who reckon that it's not that there are creative people and not creative people it's that creative people can loosely be divided up into four categories big ideas people fine detail mm -hmm. people uh, executors and developers. So no, in fact, you're absolutely right. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right, Cliff. Um, sometimes the person who comes up with the idea is not best placed to execute it mm. or develop it mm. or hasn't got the frame of mind or reference to do the fine detail checking to see if it'll ever even damn work. Mm. That's why teams and open, transparent collaboration is so important, especially now while technology is changing so fast. Because quite frankly, we can't, you know, we can't do all of this stuff mm. on our own. We're not islands. There's too much specialist knowledge. Yeah. Mm. Um, Gareth, I'm actually going to bring yeah. it closer to home. You know, when Rena does those personality tests with us, she'll put all yeah. of us in the room and she'll say, okay, answer a couple of questions. And then she'll say, okay, you three are drivers you four are communicators you four are analysts and the rest of you she'll group you based on your personality mm -hmm. 
you and I in the staff are the driver communicators. We come up with ideas, we ha 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 ha. And then there's the analysts in the team who are the people that actually, you know, work on the numbers and check out the set. They're the implementers and the executors. I think a big part of creativity is definitely understanding where your creativity starts and ends and at what point you need to bring other people into the process and other people that are way better equipped than you. If you are just the ideas person, be that, live in that, and excel in that. And you will find the executors that you work well with that are only executors that are good at that and be that. And then you've got this great team of people going around finding creative solutions to problems that we have. And these are problems that are previously, you know, maybe the solutions are pretty stock standard. We're trying the same thing and nothing's changing. The minute you put in a creative in there or a creative team, the solutions are completely different and they are the ones that most likely work because you're not giving it the same eye or the same attention so teamwork is a huge part of it and that also brings in the reality check of you know you're not all just going in there like let's do this this is gonna be fun somebody in there somebody in there's gonna be like okay slow down guys let's be real is this gonna work yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, like what Cliff's doing here. And jeez, uh, why do I keep on calling you Cliff? What Gareth is doing here in this interview is exactly that, right? He's acting as the antagonistic collaborator. He's being difficult. He's saying, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? What does that lead to? Better answers. 100%. More clarity. 100%. It's part of the process. It has to be embraced. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about your background for a little bit, because um, I, I remember you and your name came up a lot in South African music when, when I was before I was even in radio. I was just a listener and people used to talk about Dave Chislett and how you knew everybody in the music business. And you, <laughs> no, and you, you helped many South African bands to, to kind of get out there and do what they needed to do. Just yeah. explain to everybody what that was, because, you know, All there right. may be people who don't know any of that history. Well, it's very gracious of you, uh, Gareth, because I think you were one of the people when you were on, on that other large national radio station that I used to take regular pot shots at because I was unhappy with how much South African music was being played on the radio. Um, yeah. Like, I, I had anything to do with it. Management no. and quotas had zero to do with me, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I started writing poetry when I was 10. When I was 17, my best mate at the time, Julian, said, hey, let's turn some of those into songs because he could play multiple musical instruments. And that led to me being in bands. And I did that all the way through the end of high school, uh, through uh, uh, national service and then university. And then I kind of made the step into actually managing bands because basically I was a no-hope, useless bass player who could only play quavers across three chords. Uh, I was much better at organizing stuff. And that led to me um, meeting uh, Mr. Barney Simon, who's really Mr. South African Alternative Rock, um, Mm -hmm. and starting a career as a music journalist and promoter um, while doing regular South African music updates on on that national broadcaster. Um, So, I mean, it's quite funny, like Mr. South African Music, it just shows you the sort of like (laughs) white privilege. I mean, the whole Kwaito hip hop thing was exploding around me. I didn't know anybody from those scenes. I was totally immersed in the white rock underground kind of thing, which even in the 90s was still very much a white rock underground. Luckily, I don't think it's like that anymore, but it was a very segmented, weird thing. So that's my background. I mean, I started off as a poet, goodness me, and somehow kind of got enveloped in rock and roll, um, which took me 20 years to kind of come out the other side of. 
All right, well, I mean, it's it's interesting because musicians are probably some of the most creative people in the world, and people who can write songs are, are, are even a level above that to me because those oh. people they just come up with something which is uh, entirely original, which is based on those eight keys on the keyboard and you know a yeah. couple of shops and flats. I mean, it's just it drives me um, it drives me crazy <laughs> that I, that I can't do that because I have such respect and admiration for people who can. Yeah. Um, do you ever? And and Lebung, this goes for you too. Do you ever like rank the creative arts in any kind of you know hierarchy? Because I often think that you know someone who can who can paint, draw, sculpt, write music, mm. uh, those people are those people are truly you know mind-bogglingly brilliant in some way, if they can do it for that matter. But then you get the next kind of rung down who are the ones who can perform it, who are also tremendously talented because that requires creativity, yeah. especially mm. because every performance is different. And then kind of a rung under that are the people who can replicate it. And mm. in my mind, those are three categories that I can ascribe certainly to artistic pursuits that are creative, but I don't know if that's, if that's accurate. And I, and I'm, I'm really trying always to, to figure out, sort of how things fit together and, and that's why i drew yeah. up this, this hierarchy in my head do you agree with it or do you think it's stupid i don't think it's stupid i don't think i've ever heard it before um look a high degree of technical skill is no guarantee of catchy originality sure so those two things are actually separate so i mean i've played in bands with classically educated technically hmm. wildly good people but they weren't the songwriter mm -hmm. because they didn't have the ideas. They didn't have the, 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 the sound in their head, which led to a at least partly unique combination of those, of those notes on a keyboard mm. that led to a catchy melody, which they yeah. could then using their technical knowledge, create an orchestration around. So for me, yeah, I, what you're saying holds true. There's a, there's a big difference between the people who are creating the music and just playing it which is not to say the people who are just playing it are not creative or any or, or talented in any way. It's just that there's a, a component from the one that isn't present in the other. So th there is definitely that. Um, and and no, what I, I, I've, by the way, the, the, the reason that I, that I create these, these systems in my head is not to say one is better than the other. Mm. It's more to explain the different layers of creativity. I mean, I do think by and large that someone who can take, can make something out of nothing. Yeah. It's, it's truly that that's a different category to those who have uh, tremendous technical expertise. And as you say, can really perform something beautifully yeah. and, and even change it in the actual performance every time, because I think that's also a skill. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on here, you know, sometimes um, in, in certain disciplines, you have to reach, an incredibly high level of technical ability in order to do things differently to create the new stuff. But in other disciplines, not having a huge amount of technical ability allows you to break rules in such ways that you come up with really interesting stuff that actually works. Mm. You know, so on the one hand, I'm thinking fine art painting, like mm. you've really got to have your chops down to be able to do anything different and inspiring and, and new there. But I mean, hello, punk rock, you know, two chords and the truth. Those guys knew nothing about music, but still created very catchy, memorable tunes because yeah. they knew nothing. Mm. And so I think it's, it's again, it's 
it's very area and context specific yeah. which approach is going to work in which area. Yeah, I think I agree. It definitely boils down to that specific industry that we're speaking of. Where, for example, if you look at um, in music, if you have like a group of people battling in a rap and now everybody's told to freestyle, you are then coming yeah. up with things on the top of the dome just in the moment. You haven't had the opportunity yeah. to write things down as a songwriter. You're just coming up with stuff. Some would say that is peak creativity because you're living in the moment, using the energy that's around you to come up with the stuff. But in the same context, if you are an amazing songwriter and you've sat down and you've just put down just amazing words that come together so with the beat, that in itself is also amazing creativity. So yeah. For me, I would say it just boils down to the person, regardless of the industry you're in. It's how you're exercising your creativity over and over and over and over again in the same way that you'd exercise at the gym. How big are your muscles getting? How big is your creativity getting? How strong uh-huh. is it getting? How clever, you know, yeah. how how much more um, interesting are you viewing the world? That that for me is the, is the bottom line. It's the It boils down to the person. What, what about the... The other part of this, which is, you know, when when someone like Kanye West comes along and he is undoubtedly one of the most creative people in the world, he's also like very close. You said uh, creativity and, and, and madness live close together. But, yeah. you know, a lot of the stuff that makes Kanye sound like he's a total lunatic and upsets lots of people and you know he he will he will say stuff that is outrageous and he'll say stuff that is offensive and he'll be completely counterintuitive with most of the stuff and yet he believes his self-belief is so great that he just powers through criticism and comes out on the other side usually winning um there's something about creativity that's also rebellious and doesn't give a shit what people think, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and, but also don't forget that somebody who's achieved the level that Kanye has, has got a closed feedback circuit around him in his immediate bubble. And he also has the money to outlast the curve of disapproval. Yeah. Yeah. So once you're there, and this is what happens to highly famous people, they often become detached from what we know as reality because they literally don't experience what we experience on a day-to-day basis. That's kind of what allows them to come up with out-of-the-box counterintuitive stuff that works, but it's also what leads to kanyarisms and complete disconnect from what is happening in the real world. Mm. So, you know, when you become a celebrity and when you become incredibly rich, it is often difficult to continue to be creative because your frame of reference essentially shrinks because it creates an envelope around you which other ordinary people can't penetrate. There's a good okay, reason. I, 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 would, I would say that's true, but not for him. I mean, like, it appears to me that even when he's doing the things that nobody likes and that people have a problem with, this guy is still miles, miles ahead of people who are, you know, plugged in and researching stuff and listening to everyone's opinion. He's coming yeah. up with absolutely mind bending totally original stuff mm-hmm. and even if he's in this closed feedback loop and even if he's doing things that you know uh, ordinary members of the public may regard as being uh, a little bit too risky dangerous out of the box to use that horrible mm-hmm. terminology but he still wins he wins and yeah. he produces products that people love remember he started uh, he started as a music producer and he was very good at that everybody said oh Kanye is so amazing at this then he said I'm in a rap mm-hmm. everyone was like well 
You should and, and remember, in Jay's, Jay-Z's company, they all said to him, no, you shouldn't rap because mm. you're not that good. And he said, fuck you. And he went ahead and did it. Mm. And then he became arguably one of the best rappers, if not the best in some people's opinion, uh, in, in the 2000s. Then he decided, I'm going to go into fashion. So he designs these shoes and everybody goes, these are horrible shoes. You're never going to make it. All the fashion experts tell him, Kanye, this is going to be a disaster. Don't do it. He goes ahead and he he becomes a juggernaut that blows the rest of them out of the water. Everything this guy does, he does in spite of the knowledge yeah. of the people who are supposedly the experts. And he wins. Yeah, yeah. but remember, yeah. Gareth, with, with Kanye, what Kanye had from birth was that self-belief and that constant approval from his mother, which really set him apart from most of the, his peers. His mom literally single-handedly said every single day, dude, you can be the best. Whatever you do, whatever you touch will be gold. And that's why, as as Kanye West, he doesn't need anybody anybody else's opinion as to whether this will work or not. And I, and I say that to say this, um, Dave, what link is there between creatives and almost like that self-worth or that self-belief? Because using Kanye as an example kind of mm-hmm. proves that if you yeah. just believe in yourself 100%, not give a rat's ass about what anybody's saying, you can stay ahead of the curve and you can be your most yep. creative version of yourself. So how much of that yep. you know, self-reflection-y side of life um, matters in the whole creativity process? Well, you've answered your question in your question. You said he can, not he will. Mm. And I think that's really what it comes down to. You know, um, Yes, self-belief, confidence is critical in, in creativity because essentially every time you do something new you're stepping into the unknown sure you're taking yeah. a chance you're breaking some rules you're going where someone's never been before and you're exposing yourself to i mean especially these days you know online hate criticism blah. if you're not if you don't have belief in what you're doing it's very hard to do that over and over and over again but by the same token you know, people are doing this all day, every day, and they're not Kanye West. Sure. So you also have to get lucky. You have to be in the right time at the right place so that when you get lucky, you, your chops are down, your knife is sharp, and you can deliver the goods. I mean, think about Kanye West, that, that progression that Gareth just uh, outlined, where he was first a successful record producer, right? Then he became a really good rapper, right? Now, how much time that as a rich, successful record producer did Kanye West have to put into practicing becoming a good rapper mm. compared to someone who's hustling on the streets, has to make a living, has to stay out of trouble with the, sure. like, what? Sure. a lot more. Mm. Now, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours of mastery have been somewhat discredited. But still, if you've got a benchmark in front of you, which he did because he produced all the best rappers and you are constantly striving for improvement and you put in those kinds of hours you're gonna get so good over time that once you're there people won't really be able to tell if you were a genius to start with whether you just turned yourself into one sure and who who cares really because there's no way exactly who cares (laughs) there's no like like creativity index where you where you have uh ranked in terms of who the most creative person on earth is yeah because you could you could you could argue that you know, someone like Elon Musk, who is much more on the the analyst and driver side of things, that this guy is more creative than some of the people on the more uh, artistic side of things because he thinks big. He thinks, oh, I'm going to get to Mars. Yeah. 
I want to I want to make electric cars. I want to drill tunnels under California for transport. Mm. I want to solve problems. And he comes up with creative yeah. solutions to problems, which technically most of us would not say is creative, but it actually is, according to yeah. your definition, right? In Absolutely. The He's yeah. on my top 10 list of, of you know, when I give examples of people who are highly creative that most people don't think of, I'm always, unfortunately, considering recent developments with him, uh, mentioning there, there is a list. You even use one. <laughs> Well, otherwise, people don't understand what I'm talking about, Gareth. <laughs> Frame of reference, very useful. Who, who else is on that list? Top five. Not in order, but just, you know, top five creatives who have made a success of themselves. Well, I, I mean, people like Beyonce, again, very much like Kanye West, right? Became successful doing one thing and then just branched, mm. you know, into fashion, lingerie, perfume, acting, you name it. Also production. Sure. Um, I, I think she's enormously creative. I mean, Albert Einstein, you know, if you want to come mm. up with a general theory of, of relativity, you first have to conceive of the idea that it may exist. And he did that really early on. He spent decades trying to prove it before he went out with it. And that's also, again, the hidden mechanics behind this stuff. Mm. You know, we, we tend to get very carried away with the shiny, shiny end product whilst being very coy and, and in denial about the blood, sweat, and tears that went on for years behind the scenes in order to get there. Uh, tell me about Holland. Uh, is, that a, is that a nice environment to be creative in? You're in, you're in the Netherlands. Netherlands. In the Netherlands? Well, you know, it's very different to South Africa in that um, it's an extremely well-established um economy and society. So there are structures for absolutely everything, public mm. transport and what have you. Um, and that in many ways is extremely liberating. You know, if you think of Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, when you live in a highly structured society, the kind of day-to-day -day pressures about actually staying alive and making a living are, are really at arm's length, which then puts you into a space which where you can dedicate time and effort to more mm. rarefied concerns. But then here comes the flip side. Because it's so organized and orderly and, and established, it's also very civilized. And there are very few rough edges, which means that things can get homogenous and gray really quickly. So as a foreigner living in the Netherlands, I find it very stimulating because it's different for me. Mm. But I think as a Dutch person, I mean, you've all met Dutch people in South Africa. Why the hell are they there? Well, because they're bored of how safe and well-run and predictable the Netherlands is. <laughs> I think your environment can have a lot to do with, with how mm. creative you are. Um, it's critical. Think, and sometimes the people who are the most uh, thoughtful and, and, and genius about changing things are the ones who come from the most difficult and arduous backgrounds because that stuff gives you uh, insights that you wouldn't have had if you'd been comfortable and grown up in you know, the supposed first world with, you know, good education and healthcare and everything else provided for you. No, you wouldn't have. And, you know, it's, it's a thing that a lot of big businesses just gloss over. You know, the environment is critical. So not just the environment that people emerge from, but the one they go to every day to sure. work. Yeah. You know, we really don't pay enough attention to making those environments conducive to happiness, 
because happiness is a key indicator of productivity sure. and product happy productive employees are people who stay in their jobs care about their businesses and make them better but instead we kind well, of insist on. on widgets because happy doesn't necessarily translate to 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 great or to creative either um i i know lots of creative people and they the, some of them are the most unhappy people you will ever meet they're never satisfied they're always chasing the next thing they're always trying to perfect something they're always trying to come up yes. with a better version of it then the happiness doesn't factor into creativity in any way they're unrelated so Gareth, happiness is the end of the road not the process according to what you just said no i, I no i don't think that they even are on on spectra that meet i don't think these are lines that ever meet on any graph i think you know sometimes uh, some people are completely happy when they're in a routine. They do the same thing every day. They aren't applying themselves creatively to stuff. They're really in a in a sort of bubble of existence where they they're all? basically. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to pick. I'm going to check this terminology here, Cliff. I think they're uh, doing it again, Gareth. I think they're content, and I don't think that's the same as happiness. Mm. The scenario that you sketched, people never happy, always looking for the better thing, or always living at the edge of their capacity. They are truly alive. It's what Mahali Csikszentmihalyi defines our uh, flow as being peak optimal experience, where you are in a space where because you are stepping out of your comfort zone, you are deploying as much of your skill set as possible. It's challenging. It's rewarding. Is that happiness? Well, is, is yeah. that is that related? Is that related to ambition? It can be, but I don't think it necessarily has to be. It can become an end in and of itself, because once you've stepped into flow, it's a bit like getting stoned for the first time. You know, it's a state that exists in your mind that you want to recapture for and in and of itself. Mm. And yeah, a lot of people tie ambition to that, but it's not required. Mm. I, don't I also, know. I don't think. What do you think, Lebang? I think the idea of somebody doing the same thing every single day, taking the same route to work, you know, doing the same routine in the household every single day, I don't know if anybody can truly, truly say, I am happy with this. You can definitely be content. You can definitely be perhaps even at peace because it is your life and, you you know, it is what it is. But there is definitely that some, there's a place where happiness and creativity definitely meet, in my opinion. Um, but also, yeah, that, that just, it, it depends uh, for you mm. how, how you view it. Um, Dave, I think mm. I want to know about like the kind of clients that you service because now you've taken all of your life experiences, you've packaged them into like, you know, nice little <laughs> neat, uh, you know, systems and, you know, you're here yeah. to save the world and make everybody yes. un unlock their creativity. And I love that for you. So if... I own a business and I can tell that my employees are not being creative. They don't like it here. It's, I need help. And you're the guy I call. You know, yeah. what, what are your favorite kinds of people to service? And, and what does that look like? Because, again, like to Gareth's point, somebody listening out there is probably like, what the hell are these people smoking? There has to just be, you know, there must be systems to this. But the way you're, you're describing yeah. it, it's a, it's a thing that is practiced and it's worked and people have benefited from this. Yeah. So, I mean, I do a lot of work in, in, in business and in corporates um, or, or with entrepreneurs. And the reason why people come to me is that they've, they've realized that the environment that they're doing business in is changing and changing fast. Mm. And they simply can't keep up because they don't know how to keep up. And so mm. what I'm often doing is going into these, into these places and saying to people, well, actually, 
the, the way that you typically approach things is if things do not change. Mm. So a lot of your processes and your approach and your tools are predicated on the idea that things will not, do not, and should not change. And I'm saying that absolutely the flip side, the opposite is true. Mm. So how do you need to then behave? What systems do you need to have in place for a situation that is in constant flux? Because that's very different. You know, the, the contentment doing the same thing over and over every day approach versus the I'm going to push myself even when this is supposed to be finished, I'm going to do the next thing and the next better thing and the next better thing. That's a fundamental difference in mindset. And so because businesses are very codified and, and, and very rule driven and KPI and KPA and don't color outside the lines, sure. they often actually struggle to deal with rapid change mm -hmm. because the mindset is obedient. Sure. It's giving us more of what we already have. And that's what I tackle. I'm going to say, well, really? What's that given us so far? Mm. And how's that going to look in three years? Let's do something different. And I've got a whole grab bag of tools to that, you know, even if you don't really want to, you will end up thinking differently about stuff just because of the way the tool functions. Mm. Yeah, do do um, are people who are good with money also always creative or are those two not necessarily related either? Okay, so I'm glad you said good with money as opposed to just rich, because clearly the way our global system works is if you already have money, you don't pay tax, and you will just get richer and richer no matter what else you actually get up to. <laughs> I think quite often people who are good with money are creative because they're able to spot the gap. They're able to do unexpected things. You know, the people who mm -hmm. dived into crypto with both boots on and then got out, um, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not following a curve they were following an instinct they were following their own idea so i think right. those two things often do go together but i think there's a difference between creating wealth being good with money and and, and staying rich <laughs> yeah because i i sometimes struggle to see the the link between those two but you've i think you've made a pretty good explanation of it now so your your website says when i write a poem i solve a problem so oh. i always thought that you know poetry there are very good poets in the world but everybody thinks again that they've got a poet in them and a lot of people's mm. poetry is horrible yes um, mine too because, by the way because it's <laughs> self-indulgent and it's the last thing any of us want to hear is like the, the, your worst fear is when someone comes up to you and goes oh i've written this poem do you want to hear it anyway um but, but what do you mean there i think has less to do with literal poetry well yes and no i mean i i do literally mean that when I write a poem, I'm solving a problem. I have a, a, an idea in my head. I have a notion. I have an emotional response. I'm like, how the hell do I select words in order to make what I'm feeling clear to someone who's going to read these black squiggles on a page? That's mm -hmm. a problem. Mm -hmm. And so when I write a poem, I'm trying to solve that problem. I'm trying to arrange words in a poem in a way that makes what I'm feeling or wanting to communicate absolutely clear to the person who ends up reading it. But it's also metaphorical because, in essence, that's what every problem is. We've got an idea, we've got a notion, and we need to find the path and the platform or the mechanism to get it out to other people. So, hey, it's really meta, actually. Thanks, Jesus. You're not being very creative. You're not being very creative about this, Dave. Jesus, it's one quick thing to remember, and it's even written on the screen in front of you. Listen, what about? What about this this idea of, of writer's block? I mean, you see yeah. a lot of a lot of people get stuck. 
Um, yep. You mentioned it in, 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 the, in the discussion with LeBang about clients of yours and kind of who you're helping. But many of us uh, who, who may or may not consider us, ourselves hugely creative, and I think most of us deep down inside want to be more creative, even if we don't think we are. Because it's it's, creating is, is the closest you get to divinity during your life. When you're actually yeah. making something, when you're creating ideas, when you're coming up with plans, when you're thinking... Uh, in abstract ways, this is this is how you know you're alive, um, mm -hmm. and and I, I wonder how we get past that that feeling that all of us have felt, where you yeah. just go, I can't get past this thing. I need to do this. There are deadlines. There are you know there are imperatives. Yeah. I've got this problem I want solved. I'm feeling frustrated. How to get past it? Yeah. So I wrote a book about that. Uh, <laughs> called Unblock Creative Block, uh, Writer's Block, but actually it works for all creative things. Yeah. You know, it does happen. And I think the, the, the problem is that a lot of people think that it's a problem and that it's, it's, it's something that needs to be fixed and needs to be solved. But actually, I view it more as a red flag. You know, when you get blocked, it's, it's, it's your, yourself telling you something's not right. This isn't, it's not going where it should you're essentially trying to push through very, very thick treacle. And it's thick treacle because that's resistance, resistance from the idea that you're processing. And what I've learned over the years is I just need to trust myself. If I feel that, I just stop. I walk away. I go and do something else. I go read a book. I speak to people. Um, I get outdoors. I, I get busy with something else. Because that, that problem, where I'm stuck, then goes into the back of my mind, into my unconscious mind, which operates very slowly and uses way more capacity of my actual uh, brain than my rational waking mind. And I trust that in a, in a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I'll go back to the project and I'll have a new idea to, to push through the treacle. I'll have a new approach. I'll have a new takeaway. And I think what happens is that people get blocked and they get stuck and they assume that that's the end of the road, that it's finished, that it's done. And I don't believe that. I believe that that is part of the process. It's the process saying, no, doesn't work. Try again. Mm. Do something differently. Mm. Um, and what, you know, what do you do, Lebang? Uh, when you're stuck, what do you do? Yeah, it's, it's definitely that. If I'm in the office and I'm having like creativity block and I'm like, I just can't get through this. You'll probably find me taking a walk across the road to Popeye's and go try some chicken that I don't usually try. Um, if I'm at home and I'm, and I'm with the kids, I, you know, I, I, interestingly enough, I do this thing of just like switching off the TV and I mm -hmm. force us to all kind of sit and conversate and, you know, watch, I, I specifically like watching my kids having to come up with things to do. Because for them, it's like, well, TV is all we're going to know. It's, and, you know, we grew up, we, they growing up in a time where there's devices and this and this and that. The kids are forced to walk outside and go and play and pick up stuff and make stuff. And that kind of makes me sad because I'm like, damn, like it's so easy for them to just fill in those 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 gaps. Um, uh, and as an adult, now, I, I don't know if I still have that bone inside of me that where I can just you know, go outside and, and build something or make something with my actual hands. And um, so it, it's a range of things, but it's definitely stopping what I'm doing in the moment and just doing something completely different. Like, for example, taking a tuk-tuk to work every other week. I mean, it, it shows you it shows you <laughs> different things and it, it kind of opens up your mind to, to having conversations with people that you'd probably never meet. Like the conversations that you have in, with Uber drivers, 
my word like it's freaking it's hectic out there so it's engaging with different people doing different things um and yeah it, it's to dave's point just being a rebel not going uh not not always following the same rules and and being uncomfortable is kind of the cost because the cost is uh, this is weird i don't usually do this ah, yeah. you know um and, and i see that with my kids the minute the tv goes off they don't know how to act now they have to think. Now they have to come up with stuff. And they're like, mommy, I'm bored. I'm like, tough titties, bro. Come up with some stuff to do. And that's when you see the, the creativity process. Even in their small little minds, the, the, the human you know, creativity that they're born with, that just pops out. Um, you know, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. And it, it sucks that over time that thing gets, gets like crushed by society, man. Screw society. <laughs> uh- Dave in the comments says, I agree. The outdoors is an antidote to writer's block. Sometimes I yeah. just stroll around the block. Um, I've also heard from from writers who who are very prolific that what they do is they just keep writing. So yeah. even if they're writing, even if they're writing bullshit and it's not very it's not very well thought through, it's not very interesting, they just keep going until something yeah. eventually lands that feels good. Yeah, it, it's like farting. Yeah, it's better out than in. <laughs> that's a nice note so yeah that's that's what people do they you know because again we get obsessed with this idea that it all needs to be quality and when in actual mm. fact you need to generate a lot of quantity and get a lot of the really bad stuff out in order to get to the good stuff so when you're stuck and you and you're and you feel that maybe if you're writing yeah this is just drill carry on yeah. Just carry on, get it out, get it out. Then you know tomorrow or next week it'll be gone, mm. and you'll have made space for something else. And also, I, th- I think there's a big like do you energy with with regards mm. to that. There's no thing like there's no list of things to do if you're definitely stuck. Try no. all of it and resonate to the one that works for you better. Yes. Um, it's not a, a controlled system where there's a list that you have to follow. It is so closely linked to who you are as an individual and how you express yourself and whatever mediums you choose to excel that makes it actually work. And the more you understand yourself, the better of a creative you'll become. Agreed. Couldn't have said it better myself. I love it. I, I also think you've, you said this, which I completely agree with. You're forever curious, which leads you to always ask why and how. As a result, you've been able to join the dots across many worlds. Being curious and being um, interested in other people, other things, what's going on around you, this is essential. Um, and, and that'll bring you happiness too, because then you're never actually sitting around going, I'm bored, because there's mm-hmm. always something to stimulate the mind. And when there's things to stimulate the mind, you try to solve problems. Before you know it, you're being creative. But you also sometimes need to be bored because boredom also drives you to solve problems. You're like, oh, my God, I've got to change this. I'm so bored. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You get into a rut, right? And you yeah. uh, need to break out of that. Okay, I love it. Dave, nice to catch up with you. And thanks for being on the show this morning. It was lovely to, uh, to hear what you're up to. Mm-hmm. And Lebang, we will see you next week, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. For the rest of us, have an awesome day, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, Gareth. Ciao. Ciao.